Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, listen to discretion is strongly advised because there will be some profanity in this one. Unfortunately, as of yesterday, we lost the late, great icon, Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall. From what we're being told, from what I've heard, let's look it up and make sure. This is a shitty day, I'll tell you. Because I I had the last episode and I got rid of it by accident as a drunken... I was trying to fix monetization and by accident I got rid of the last episode. So we're going to have to re-review Batman because I have some added intake into it and a different feeling on it. We're also going to do the review on Scream 5... And we're going to talk about some other things, but first we got to get into this because unfortunately Mr. Scott Hall is no longer with us. He died at age 63. He suffered three heart attacks over the weekend during what I think was supposed to be a routine hip replacement surgery. Let's look at it. Scott Hall, a Hall of Famer, professional wrestler who performed in the WWE under the ring name of Razor Ramon, died Monday at the age of 63. Hall suffered three heart attacks over the weekend and was placed on life support. His family opted to turn off life support and Hall died soon after because, yeah, after that point, there was nothing that could be done. Well, I mean, you're going to let him keep suffering, so unfortunately... They had to let him go. So, a uh, a w is also. I'm sure they'll do something. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so I'm sure they'll do something tomorrow night's episode as tribute. I'm hoping because I'm sure WWE did the very bare minimum last night. So, but unfortunately, Scott Hall is no longer with us. You know. Um, and it's really sad because he was really starting to get his life cleaned up. He getting his act together, getting off the alcohol, all the booze, the drugs, everything. Really getting his act together, not just for his own health, but for the health and, you know, for the well-being of his children. And it's just a sad thing to hear and see, you know. It sucks. But unfortunately, it is the way of life. Sooner or later, the Reaper is going to come calling for each and every one of us. Sooner than later. Unfortunately, that's the fact of life. When the Reaper wants his pound of flesh, he will get it. And on this day, unfortunately, the Reaper won again. So. But, let's move on to more... You know, lighter things. Uh, I watched Picard season two. What a treat that was! Ooh, boy. Well, I'll also talk a little bit about the WWE 2K22 game. What I've liked and what I've not liked so far. Um. 
that one I uh, that one threw me for a loop a little bit because I knew about it, but it's it's now just now getting to me because I got off work when I heard about it. I mean, I heard about it going to work and I couldn't really let it sit in. And then when I got off work at like four in the morning, I was like, okay, I just went to bed. Now it's really sitting in, but fuck it, it sucks. I'm also reading Sinjin Liu's, and I know I'm murdering that, a Chinese sci-fi novelist's book. It's about, it's a, <clears throat> the Earth Remembrance Past or some shit. It's the three-body problem, and then there's the Dark Forest and Death's End. It's a trilogy of books, but so far it's it's very dense and complex, but I think I might be, I think I'm going to dig it. If once I get through on the meat of it, it's another Isaac Asimov, Frank Herbert. Very, this one's. <laughs> I would even argue this one's even more complex than the 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 latter two of Dune and especially Dune, but Isaac Asimov's even Foundation because this shit is just like it. It makes you. I'm only on the first. I'm only on the second part of the uh, the book. Because the first part you blow through easily, like it's within the first seventy pages you're on part two, but part two is now really starting to get into the meat and potatoes of certain ideas. They haven't even got to what I know that it even goes further than that. From what people who've read this book and trilogy have told me, that it gets even further into not just ideas but concepts. Not espounding that they are true like a lot of naysayers who hate the movie like yeah he's trying to make it as law and science like no it's not it's called science fiction and good science fiction takes something that could be rooted in what could actually happen in science because as anybody with any common sense of brains knows that science is ever-changing it's just the way it is. It doesn't give a fuck about your race, your color, your creed, your fucking feelings. It's always changing. That's just the way it is. Deal with it. So we always get different warring theories all the time from scientists in the real life. The idea of science fiction is to take the ideas that are placed in science and the concepts that could happen and place them into a fictional background of where... Not necessarily impossible, but we're almost guaranteed won't happen. That's what a lot of y'all dumbass critics who trash this book forget to fail because your argument is this was not relatively possible. This is not science fact. They never said this was a scientific fiction, uh, nonfiction book. It's called Science Fiction. Look that word up and understand what it means before you judge something for a stupid reason. There's plenty of other reasons to judge it. That's not a good or valid reason. And if you're doing that, you need to lose your fucking job as a critic because you're incompetent at it. Anywho, that was enough of that rant. Let's get into Scream 5 and then we'll talk about the Batman once and for all, in my opinion, on how I felt about it. First off, we're going to talk about Scream 5. At first, I didn't really enjoy this movie the first time around. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't over the mood of it the second time, and now the third time, because I had to watch it a third time so my grandmother could see it. She enjoyed it. And she's only liked the first Scream. Like, she hated the other films afterwards. She hated 2, she hated 3, she hated 4. She could not stand 
She wouldn't even give the fucking MTV series more than two episodes. And we all know me. I at least give, you know, the good baseball three strikes. She, she's like, fuck it. They got the three strikes in the first episode. They're lucky I'm giving them two and it was out. But she highly enjoyed it. And you know what? So did I. This was a great step in the right direction. I don't think we need another one. But it's going to happen. Because this movie made a killing. Especially when you consider it was thrown in January. The month where movies go to perish. This movie made a fucking killing at the box office. And gobbled, gobbled tickets. It knocked Spider-Man off its throne for one week. Spider-Man went back on but it knocked it off. It was the one that first dethroned Spider-Man before anybody else at number one. So yes, they're gonna make a fucking sequel to it. They've already greenlit Scream 6. But that's down the road. That's neither here nor there right now. For this movie on its own as a standalone film, I had a good time with it, especially the second time around because I really actually paid attention to what they were doing. Certain legacy characters meet their end, but unlike Halloween Kills, it's a respectful reason why they had to go. I don't like who cert- the certain person that kick the bucket I'm gonna refrain because it's still new especially now that no one has any excuse you can get a quick seven day free trial on Paramount Plus and watch this shit because it's exclusive on Paramount Plus as of right now until the physical copies and the Blu-rays run amok but right now it's exclusively for streaming on Paramount Plus and there's no reason why you can't see this but until then it's still new on that I'll leave the spoilers alone but those of you that have seen this movie know what character I'm talking about. It's a certain beloved character that you know is in the movie that we we know is in the film. He I already gave it away just saying his gender. I'm letting that slip. So there you go. But he's a beloved character. But I understand the reasoning of why. It wasn't just, you know, like Halloween Kills where legacy characters die. Because, you know, <laughs> reasons and cuz... Because we're terrible writers and we have nothing better to do but dispatch legacy characters and any char- and any characters on the side for that matter that aren't Michael Myers just because <laughs> reasons. And we got to let them swallow souls and make them this uber super saiyan fucking horror movie beast that cannot be killed. Not even God can kill him now. And I'm not being fun. Like literally God could come down and he would dispatch God. It's insane. And how you guys have painted yourself into this corner going into Halloween's end, I don't know how you're going to get yourself out because, Lori, I'm sorry, your old ass can't cut it to beat him. You won't fucking do it. He can kill God. You ain't shit, old bitch. I'm sorry. I love you, Lori, but your old bitch ass ain't doing shit. You're getting dispatched, too, in the next one. Unless you get God-tier powers, too, and then now we're just getting really ridiculous. And that's the difference between Scream 5 and Halloween's Kills is this actually respects the legacy characters and it and it gives you an idea of why these people are doing what they're doing. And there's also a twist with I got a Billy Loomis. I won't say he makes an appearance even though he does. Wink wink. And that is a semi spoiler, but it's really not. That's why I said wink wink because he's in it, but wink wink he's really not 
It's more about his daughter and the legacy she leads going into this. And that's all I can really tell you without spoiling it, really spoiling it. Because past that point, we have to get into some really, really, really heavy spoilers to discuss. The really reason why I really did enjoy this film, and there's some really good, it's not perfect by any means, but it is the best sequel we've had since Scream 2. Because as far as I'm concerned, the only good film was Scream 1, Scream 2 was fine, and the rest are fucking average at best. Most of them are trash especially Scream 3 and 4, and especially Scream 3. Scream 3 was fucking dog shit, and we all know it. Even the diehard brain deads know it, so don't even play that fucking game. You know damn well Scream 3 was fucking atrocious, and Scream 4 was average at best, and then the TV show, it, it might as well be Voldemort from Harry Potter. We do not fucking mention it at all, so let's move on. My score out of it, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, especially now that I've seen it a third time, and especially with some of the grot we have gotten starting off the year, especially, you know, after we discussed Texas Chainsaw fuckery. Although this might, that might not be there, because that might have been in the... Yeah, I think that was in the Batman review where I trashed it and I accidentally deleted it. <laughs> So yeah, those of you that got to hear the original review, you know how I feel about Texas Brain Dead Massacre, but so far so good, I gotta give it, I'm not kidding, and some won't agree with me, but that's fine, I don't care, it's my opinion, just like it's your opinion to trash it if you hate this, I'm giving Scream 5 a solid 8 out of 10, it was a, especially the second and third time around, it was a great treat at the movies, I had a fucking blast, just had an amazing time. So, there's that. Scream 5, nice hit out of the park. Not a hit out of the park, but at least a nice Grand Slam couple base hits. Someone ran in to score some points. I'll just say that. The bases were loaded, and Scream didn't score in a few points. They didn't home run it, but they got some base hits to run in some runners. So, congratulations, guys. I don't think we need six, but you're going to do it anyway. If you're going to do it, continue the goodwill you had and continue this shit. Don't do not do some run amok dumb shit like Halloween's been doing. Continue to do shit like this and improve on this. Make it even better in 6. Otherwise, stay the fuck home in your cages and don't bother doing it at all. Because you'll burn the goodwill you've gotten from some of us who, quite frankly, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, are over this fucking Screams franchise. I'll say this, you're, you didn't embarrass Wes. You gave good honor to Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, for that matter, who created these characters. So let's move on. Not bad, Scream. Let's stop. And let's get into the moment you all been waiting for, especially my boy Kuya, who's probably the only reason why he'll be listening to this. The Batman review, and I'll tell you right off the bat, when I first saw this movie, and any, whether you heard my original review, or you've heard me talk, I hated this fucking piece of shit when it started off, because it was just pretentious, art house, wine, crybaby bullshit, then I saw it a second time with my friend who came long time, he's a brother to me pretty much, he's my brother, we watched it, and I enjoyed it a lot more the second time around, but 
I still had some things that I was like, the third time around I saw it, I was like, okay, I I understand a little bit more. And then the fourth time when I saw it in IMAX, I think I really do really enjoy it. I don't think it's a masterpiece by any, any stretch of the imagination and anybody that, you know, says it's a masterpiece. That's cool on you. But if we're being realistic in the actual definition of what that means, it's not a masterpiece. It's not a flawless film. There's no such thing as a flawless film. There just isn't. It doesn't exist. There, there's, there's movies that we can believe are flawless in our mind, especially based on the time we are, the age we are, where we were at the point. That's fine. But the actual definition of what a flawless film is, there's no such thing. Not even the Christopher Nolan Batman's like some no. None, no, Citizen Kane, which is supposed to be the greatest film, Godfather, part one and two, the greatest films of all time. These are fantastic films. They are not flawless masterpieces. I'm sorry. I know that hurt a lot of people. It's, it's a fact because these films are made by flawed individuals, flawed human beings, which means there will be flaws inside of them. Sorry. I know, for especially for you Last of Us Part 2s out there and all those. It was a masterpiece. No, it wasn't. Because there's no such thing. Your cock ring or Elden ring, that nothing's a masterpiece. Because like I said, it's made by flawed humans. And there will be flaws every time. That being said, this film is really good. It sits at 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. What the fuck do they know? They're brain dead idiots half the time, so fuck them. If I would, I would, I would put it more in like a ninety, just for the simple fact that this is a movie that you can actually hate, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows on you. And when you watch it, when it comes to HBO Max, especially for the subscribers, buckle up because we're all gonna watch it over and over and over again, and break it down and critically analyze it. And that's the weight of a good film. Unless it's a movie like Halloween Two, where you know Rob Zombie's Halloween Two, where you intentionally put it in film schools and books to critically break it down to show you how what not to fucking do but this is not that case there are a lot of flaws with this film but for all the flaws that it has that i don't like it makes up for it in some of the just spectacular moments that are in there and if you have a chance to especially if you have that extra money and you know you can blow it don't blow it on your wife or your girlfriend Blow it on the IMAX showing of the Batman because I caught a lot of shit I missed. Like the F-bomb in the beginning. I didn't notice that before. My boy Jester from Filmmaker Mike and the boys, he pointed that out. I'm like, no, that, I don't remember that. I see, there was one in the beginning and he was right. That F-bomb shouldn't have been used, wasted in the beginning. Should have been wasted somewhere further down the line where it was needed. I noticed how in the movie when but right before Alfred comes in when Batman when Bruce is listening to Nirvana something in the way he's at I thought it was inside the movie but no he's or I thought it was outside the movie, he's actually inside the movie through his speakers. He was listening to it on the radio and he turns it down. I didn't notice that right as Alfred's coming through the door he turns it down and they have a dialogue. It leads right into the dialogue. It's brilliant filmmaking when you really look at it. Something that simple is actually pretty brilliant because it is not easy. I know from experience. 
It is not easy to get practical onset sound to make it sound like it flows perfectly with the you know the digital and edited dialogue inside the film. That is very hard to do. Just like it's very hard to do get like film and natural lighting and make it look good even though it's still natural lighting compared to you know getting filters and color palettes over the fucking lighting it is very hard to do that without fucking it up and when you fuck it up it is very 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 noticeable like i said i know this from experience i've been on both receiving ends of really good and just like this is a disgrace so that little, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but those subtle little hints of shit like that really made me go, oh, Matt, there we go. That Because even when I hated this movie, I already knew that that's the testament of Matt Reeves and his directing of how good he is. And this just further proves, even whether I would have changed my mind or not, this, this movie does prove, and I always, even when I was not happy with this, I was excited to see what will be in the sequel, because I want to see, I want Matt to get three films. If, if he doesn't get a three-film arc with this and two other films, it'll be a fucking crime against humanity, and it'll be an absolute tragedy. And Hollywood should be ashamed of themselves for not, when you greenlit trilogies that are fucking dreck that shouldn't even you know we've got 45 fast and furious films and matt couldn't get three batman films you, at that rate then the entire people that make decisions in hollywood should be lined up against the wall and executed by the firing squad i'm sorry but at that point you're fucking incompetent failures at your job you should be executed and let a new batch of people who know what the fuck they're doing on board Sorry, not sorry. So, but we know he's going to, especially now that this shit's heading toward a billion before China. Although I said fuck China, but you know, I gotta be careful with that, not just because of the implications, but I'm also reading a brilliant Chinese man's science fiction who also has some great implications about how politics work not just in his own country but across the world and how it'll lead into science fiction but that's i'll get into a review on that later we're talking about the batman right now and the point is if it didn't get three films it would be a tragedy but it's going it's it's definitely getting another one for sure whether people like it or not because this movie's just eating the fucking box office because it has no competition and it's fucking batman I already knew right off the bat Robert Pattinson. I didn't care. Like when he got casted, I was like, "That's actually an interest." I didn't. I didn't get mad and I didn't get upset and I wasn't over the moon. I was just like, "That's interesting," and I can. I'm not worried about it. It was like, "Yeah, Twilight boy." It's like we're past Twilight. The the Twinkle Toes bullshit is dead and gone. He's done too much on the side to him and Kristen both have done too much past twilight to where you can keep that card is dead it doesn't work anymore now when you bring that card to the pro poker table you get fucking you lose your entire hat you lose all your money and you get laughed out of the building now because him especially has proven himself that he's he's grown up way past that in harold potter his his small stint in harold potter that he did like grow up grow the fuck up because he has you you fucking idiots out there haven't and that's the problem. 
So I already knew that he was going to be a fantastic Batman, just from, even though I do not like The Lighthouse, just from his performances of that and Good Times and shit like that, when he has good directors and good writers with him, he can knock it out of the park. It's when he has shit material. That's why Twilight was bad. Not because of him, because the material was absolute fucking dog shit. Like, it's fucking grot fan fiction. It's Anne Rice fan fiction. At the end of the day, it's glorified Anne Rice fan fiction, and you thought that shit was going to be good? Excuse me, had nothing to fucking do with Pattinson or any of the other cast of Twilight for that matter. They took the fucking bag and all you motherfuckers would have done the same. Especially if it was the only way you could pay the mortgage on your fucking house and the car note on your fucking car. You'd shut the fuck up real quick and take the bag too. So shut the fuck up. Enough. So now that we've moved past that and had that little rant, Robert was fucking fantastic. He was one of the higher notes of it, and I like the way he acts with his eyes because he does a lot of the shit, especially that Ryan Gosling does with his buddy. I forget, I can't pronounce his name, and I'm not even going to try. You know him, the, the director of Drive and Neon Demon, when he just has to sit there, and he can say very little to nothing, and he has to act with his fucking eyes. Robert does this, and I think, I would argue, he even does an even better job than Ryan Gosling in this Batman film, so, I was, excuse me, it's coming, hold up, <coughs> excuse me, Woo. told you, I might be getting sick in the last episode, and doesn't show any signs of letting up, anyway, um, I am going to spoil a little bit, because at this point, if you haven't seen it, you're not going to, because Zoe Kravitz is Selena Kyle, she was really good, um, still not my favorite, but she's way better than Anne Hathaway, I fucking hated Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, I know some people didn't care, they were cool with, I fucking hated Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. I thought it was one of the huge, major, not only casting mistakes, but character arcs that Christopher Nolan made in his Batman. That was a huge mistake. An absolutely huge mistake. And she was fucking pointless to be there. There was a lot of pointless shit in the Dark... There was some great stuff in the Dark Knight Rises, and there was a lot of pointless shit in the Dark Knight Rises. And Anne Hathaway's Catwoman was one of the pointless shit things that happened in the Dark Knight Rises. I couldn't stand her. I'm sorry. Sorry for all you masturbators to Anne Hathaway and how you love her, so, but she sucked. Point blank period, she fucking sucked. Zoe, however, was fantastic. She, she, because to me, I'm sorry, y'all, uh, uh, the, Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, she's still great, but the one that still holds to me is Eartha Kitt. And Eartha Kitt's, and Selena Kyle's, um, uh, Yes, I know there are other comic books that Zoe was tapping from, but she was the closest person to actually match the sexuality mixed with sophistication that Eartha Kitt had done back in the 60s with her Catwoman. The shit that they were trying to match with Halle Berry's Catwoman and poorly failed with. And that's why a lot of people love Michelle Pfeiffer because, you know, that white girl, she had a lot of sex and sophistication too as well. So those are the ones that hold up. So for me, it would go Eartha Kitt. And it, uh, it just depends. Like, I, I like Zoe. I like, she's a sexy. Whew. I got to keep it PG when it comes to that. PG-13 at least. So 
but it depends. One day it could be Michelle Pfeiffer, then Zoe, and then vice versa. So ask me tomorrow. Right now, it's, Zoe, it's Eartha, Zoe, Michelle. Tomorrow it'll be Eartha, Michelle, Zoe. So, But Zoe Kravitz was fantastic. And it erased, it got rid of some of the, you know, bile that was in my mouth from the Anne Hathaway. Colin Farrell was unrecognizable. We all know as Oz the Penguin. He was, he was fantastic, you know. He had one of my favorite lines of, <laughs> what is this, good cup, batshit cup? Like, he, he, he was fantastic for the little he was in there. And Paul Dano wasn't in there that long either. Like, the, these fucking psycho villains, they weren't really in there that long. Paul Dano was fantastic up until the fucking mid, like latter half where these that shit got old real fucking quick. I'm telling you, you know, and I, and I that's the high pitch you will answer. like shut the fuck up now. Now I just wish you'd get shot in the fucking head by Commissioner Gordon with a revolver because now it's just getting obnoxious. But for a lot of the points, Paul Dano was creepy, sadistic, and sophisticated. He's not as good as Heath Ledger. He just isn't. Because Heath Ledger was able to go to that over-the-top point and actually pull himself back when it needed to be pulled back to really fuck with you. And I've been in the asylum before multiple times, full disclosure, because I like to share with my fine audience out here. I've been to the Nut Hut a few times and I've known guys that fucking... I've been around both these types of characters. I've been around guys that are like Joker. Obviously, the Joker is way over the top, but I've been around guys that just like to watch the world burn. You know, they can't be bullied or bargained or reasoned with. They just want to watch the fucking world burn. And Heath, Heath embodied that perfectly in The Dark Knight. I've also seen guys like Paul Dano who just try and pretend they're crazy. While they may somewhat be a little bit crazy, a lot of their act is pretend. And Paul, however, how Paul Dano did pretend or uh, portray that perfectly as a character, he was trying to be a serious psychopath in this film, and it just didn't come off well, especially toward the end. So that was a failure on his part. However, I still think he. He's one of the two people that should be nominated for a Golden Globe and Oscar this coming next season. When, because for all that, there's critical moments where Paul Dano really makes you feel uneasy and makes you feel like, oh, shit. He felt more like Timothy McVeigh to me, the Oklahoma City bomber, than he did the Zodiac Killer, I'll be quite honest. And he had those mannerisms, especially toward the end when his mask and he got arrested. And his, he, 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 he had very, very Timothy McVeigh vibes coming off where he's like, this is going to happen regardless. But then he took it over the top, and it's like I can't stand that shit, especially in a serious, dark toned Batman. It 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 does. It's not intimidating. It may intimidate you know someone who's not in the initiated of that. It may it may be easily swayed, but that shit doesn't intimidate me. The shit where you, where he's quiet and he's lurking in the shadows and bashing people's heads in with you know a carpet puller and shit like that. That's intimidating. Especially from a goofy looking guy, you're like, 
Like guys in the corner who look like that, who say very little to nothing, those are the scary guys. Not the guys that scream and, and, and shout. Like, that's not intimidating. It's embarrassing, quite honestly. And that was an embarrassing moment. What could have been a perfect villainous role was ruined by garbage like that. It was fucking grot. And that's initially why I really fucking hated this movie. Because performance, we go into Jared Leto over the top house of coochie fucking performance. It's just, it's pathetic. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a character. I'm an actor. Like, shut the fuck up. You're a bum hired to do a job. You're a hired gun, so do your fucking job, chimp. Cut the fucking games. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright as Lieutenant Gordon was fantastic. He is a highlight of the fucking of a movie who probably won't get anywhere near as much credit as he should, but he was a fantastic James Gordon, especially when you consider he's lieutenant. He's not commissioner, commandant, commander, corporal. He's lieutenant. He's a fucking grunt being told what to do. Almost being on the same level as Bruce Wayne as he enters his second year as Batman trying to figure this shit out. It's a nice, beautiful relationship between the two of them. I I, I highly enjoyed it, even though I still stand by it. Had There's a lot of, too many of the meals, Somerset 7 vibes between the two of them. Especially when they're really trying to solve the murders and the cases. It calls way too much out to 7. Like, almost too much where they're just blowing David Fincher's load at an excessive rate. That pissed me off. Other than that, their chemistry was just so beautiful. And it makes me... I wish that that was a TV series. We're not getting that, though, because we can't see Batman. And heaven forbid we see cops in Gotham. Now we have to have a fucking Nut Hut series about Arkham Asylum. Which I'm sure will be turned into the ways and the tales of woe of the average nut every episode. How Scarecrow became fell from psychiatric provenance to becoming the town nut job. How Clayface became Clayface and turned into a lunatic. How the abandonment of Harvey Dent as a child from his mother turned him into the villain is too likely. We're going to get dumb shit. I can already see it because Hollywood can't fucking help itself. We get something that's fantastic like Batman, which is five steps forward, and then we'll get grot like the nut hut files in Arkham Asylum, and it'll take us 11 steps back, pretty much wasting the five steps forward we just went. This is why, see, DC is the superior brand, but they cannot prove it because they have absolutely fucking incompetent morons running amok like clowns in the fucking coming out of the clown car in the fucking management of WBDC everywhere, whether it be the comic books or the fucking movies or television. They just can't get it. And yes, I understand that comic books are not absolutely booming like they were in the 90s, but fuck. DC makes an art out of fucking up. <laughs> Once again, we've had this conversation. They turn into the fucking Rembrandts of, of fucking up. You know, the Picassos, the Pollocks of fucking it up. No one can match the artistic value of fuckery that these guys can do. So, 
for as great of a victory as this is, we'll see a couple more losses down the road because they just don't fucking get it. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking about the Batman, and the Batman was fantastic. I gave it a 5 out of 10 the first time around, uh, especially after seeing it at IMAX. Like I said, if you can't see this film in IMAX, go do it. Especially if you have the money to spare, go do it because it was worth the $16 or $17 after tax to sit there and just when the Batmobile rumbled. <laughs> You feel your ass in the seat rumbling in the chair and the floor just... You're like, oh, fuck, am I actually in the goddamn Batmobile right now? Because I feel... And when it moves, you feel like you're... It's, it's, it's a fantastic movie-going experience. I have not had this much fun with an IMAX. Of course, I haven't been to an IMAX since. Gareth Edwards is uh, Godzilla, the first Godzilla film in our multiverse, the only good Godzilla film as far as I'm fucking concerned, and that one was a, a little bit of a crawl, but it's still the best one, and that was a great experience, and this is this was a fantastic experience in the IMAX, I had a fucking blast in this film, even in the slow parts, you could like, Michael... Guccino's fucking music is just like boom, like you feel it even more and more in the brooding, and you are you. A part of it you gotta watch out because you start to get depressed and you start to feel like Bruce as the Batman, where you just uh, coming out of theater, you want to knock someone's fucking face into oblivion a couple of times, you know, and say, "I am vengeance, I rule the night," and if you're looking at my bitch, I'm gonna bust your cock open with my fists. Don't look at my woman fuckers or else I'll go back home after I've beaten you to a fucking bloody pope and sent you to the ICU and I'll sit in the corner of my bat cave and cry while I listen to Nirvana and my chemical romance don't upset me I am vengeance damn it <laughs> anyway it's, it's <laughs> mom they won't believe me they won't believe me when I say I'm vengeance it's not fair <laughs> Anyway, uh, this was a fantastic film. Good for you, Matt Reeves. Uh, right, my my new score. I have to say, eight point nine five out of ten. I, I highly enjoyed it, and I actually can't wait to get this in the Blu-ray four K copy. I will definitely be purchasing this. And once the Gestapo lifts up the forty-five day ban on HBO Max, and it comes exclusively to HBO Max, I will be watching the fuck out of it over and over and over and over again, you know. I'll be passing that bitch around like Selena Powell got passed around by every rapper, football, and basketball star on planet Earth. So I'm going to be enjoying that fucking movie to the bitter end. And then when it comes out on physical copy, I'm buying that bitch. So good job, Matt. You You made me hate it, and then you made me love it. So... There's more I could say, but I really am trying very vaguely not to spoil shit because it's still young, but, you know, it's the way it is. John Turturro's Carmine Falcone was fantastic, too. I really, before I really wrap it up, I always like me some John Turturro, and you really haven't seen him a whole lot lately, but this is a great return to form for him. Finally, a great film with him in it that isn't directed by the fucking Coen brothers. Um... Or Scorsese, I I love I love uh, or Spike Lee. <laughs> I'll stop. Anyway, um, 
it, it was great, and he was great in it. Peter Scar- Sarsgaard was great as District Attorney Gil Coulson. You know, he was a real fucking worm, and a part of me was happy to see him get kablooied by one of the Riddlers. And that's another reason why I say he was way more Timothy McVeigh to me than Zodiac Killer, because he just liked, he didn't do all, but he loved using those fucking dirty bombs, boy. Especially when it came to dispatching people who he felt deserved to be dispatched. You know, that white privileged asshole, rich asshole. So, and that's another thing. I will say, you know, the people out here crying about, you know, especially the guys like Ryan Kendall crying about there's too many black people. Like, shut the fuck up. There's too many minorities. Shut the fuck up. There were no, like, and this is the problem that I have with it. I understand when people get mad about the virtue signaling because sometimes it is too much, especially like instances like fucking Candyman where it was egregious. But when you go from that and then you complain about there's too many ethnic, there's too many black people, not enough white folks, you need to grow the fuck up because there was never a time when black people had to see tons of like Michael Keaton and Christopher Reeve and Val Kilmer and George Clooney and fucking Brad Pitt doing other things here and all these white guys who got major action star roles, Tom Cruise. You never heard black people going, oh, I can't watch this because there's too many white people in it. No, they shut the fuck up. They watched it, and they could relate to the as, as much as they could to the fucking white boy that was on the screen. There's a lot of brothers and sisters that love them some Tom Cruise. There's a lot of brothers and sisters out there that love them some David Duchovny because of the X-Files. There's a lot of brothers and sisters that love themselves some Michael Keaton and some Val Kilmer and Christopher Reeve. Stop the fucking bullshit. And you keep saying stop bringing up race we'll stop bringing up the race shit when you stop bringing up the fucking race shit until then you either shut the fuck up and then we'll shut the fuck up okay let's all just shut the fuck up and enjoy the movie otherwise don't go fucking see it go fucking home your cages are clean good enough cool there you go let's move the fuck on Because we got one more left before we wrap this up. And it's just my first initial thoughts on what WWE 2K22 is to me. And how I feel about it. First off, let's get off right off with the elephant in the room. Is WWE 2K22 better than WWE 2K20? Uh, Yes. Leaps and bounds. They Even if they tried, they couldn't have fucked this up as bad as 2K20. The one with Lynch and fucking the man and Dwayne's cousin, Tommaso Ciampa Jr., Roman Reigns. So, the Samoan version of Tommaso Ciampa. And you know what I'm talking about. If you actually pay any critical attention to some of the shit you try and do in that ring, you fucking bum. Anyway, it's almost an insult to Tommaso. However... Yes, it is better than 2K20. Uh, there's some great things here. One thing I will say, the showcase is fucking ridiculously difficult. So the My Rise to me is too fucking easy when it comes to matches. Like there's a there's a mode called My Rise where you literally just, you can make your customized character and build him and rise him to the top of the crop and literally just be you or make some fucking like right now i made i literally made my own reincarnate reincarnated version of powerhouse hobbs from aew 
it was literally be me if I was a full-blooded, mean, bully black man. And it was power with the looks of Powerhouse Hobbs and the build of Powerhouse Hobbs from AEW. Some might say, you know, Powerhouse is already a bully. No. The way I'm putting my storyline with this guy, he makes Powerhouse look like a fucking poppy dog. I I am the antithesis, or I am the epitome, excuse me. Let's get the proper word. I am the epitome of just asshole, I wish you were dead, bully. Like, beating the shit out. I've already jumped six people backstage and in the parking lot. So, like, <laughs> you have that option. Like, if you get really dirty, you can continuously jump people and do three-on-ones and, like, really just... You can turn into a real thug. Like, the the actual definition of what a thug is, a real gang thug and just... As close as you can get to killing someone without killing them, because this is the WWE, this isn't the hood, let's be, you know. But it's just fucking brilliant, and it's fun, but it's the matches are too fucking easy. But on the other extreme, with the way they set up the the new mechanics, because they're not new, we'll get into that before we wrap it up too, which it hits different, that is true, it does hit different, because... It's a rebirth of the old mechanics. But we'll get into that in a minute. But with the gaming mechanics set up the way they are, especially with the controls, the showcase is with Rey Mysterio is fucking insanely difficult. There are points where you do shit and it's like... <laughs> and the game literally stops and looks at you and laughs at you like... <laughs> you pressed the button that we told you to and we still didn't do it. <laughs> That's part of the fucking bugs. And you're like, uh, and you get murked. I spent an hour on the first, the the Halloween Havoc Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio match. And it's a fantastic match and it's fun. But I, I failed. I lost. I Eddie pinned me because I was too busy worrying about instead of blocking Eddie and him, who is a great wrestler. We all know how fantastic Eddie Guerrero was. And that's one thing that I will give this game. They emphasize and put that in there that if there's a fantastic wrestler, it doesn't matter if you put it on easy mode. If there's a fantastic wrestler, you are going to feel, even if you beat him on easy mode, you are going to you are gonna crawl through it and feel the difficulty of it. And you're going to understand the skill that this man had. And it's no different with Eddie. You cannot rely and worry about, oh, I got to press in the corner an Irish whip with the X button and do this move to make the showcase continue because there's action moments, you know, because it's Ray telling the story, which is a cool thing. Would be a lot cooler if the fucking control scheme wasn't such dog shit, but maybe we'll fix that later in a patch. Who knows? Anyway, it's a fantastic story. and I like the way they're doing it. Telling the story through the point of view of Rey Mysterio. Telling the story as you're playing the match itself. However, you cannot worry about that while you got this great wrestler kicking the shit out of you. And you got to worry about reversals and doing that while following the objected controls you have to use to progress further in the level. It's fucking insanity. And that's why I say it's far harder than needs to be. It's insane. I feel like I'm playing Doom Eternal again on hard mode. It's insane. And that's just the beginning. And then My Rise is like, you feel like you're playing, you know, 
to Call of Duty on recruit difficulty. So it's like it's it's not it's too it's uh, there needs to be a middle ground. It should not be an extreme of one side or the other. You can do a middle ground, especially when you're talking about certain people that you could get casual gamers. Casual gamers of wrestling games are not going to put up with that shit. I won't put up with it. I'm a diehard. Casuals will not do it. So you need to tweak that a little bit. Some of the bugs are outrageous. Like I got, I was playing as Bianca Belair, and then fucking man, I, I was so I don't know why I was in a match with Mandy Rose. It was a pick match, and she slapped me across my chest, and I went flying through the ropes and bounced back into her nut. That's another bug that needs to be cleaned. Some of the wrestlers look fantastic. It doesn't matter what platform either. Some it doesn't matter if you have a high end PC, a PlayStation Five, a PlayStation Four. It doesn't matter. On all platforms, I've seen it. Some of the wrestlers look fantastic, and it's almost to a point where you're like, "Ooh." And then some of the wrestlers look god awful, and they don't. And then they do the other extreme where they make some wrestlers who don't look that great look like super Adonises, like. Yeah, like, they make Goldberg, no offense, Goldberg's in great shape, but they make modern-day Goldberg look like he looks better than he did when he was in his prime at WCW. That's insane. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think so. Even he would call bullshit to that, so. But overall, right now, where we're at, I would say not bad, not bad. Um, I'm not going to give it a verdict yet until the next episode, because by that point, I will have put in a lot of the time in it, but so far we're in the right direction, but we also need to clean a lot of shit up. And then by that point, I should have my chronicles of my dude, because I want to make a dual storyline of where I have this guy bullying people, and then his sister's going to come in, and she's going to go run on SmackDown, but she's going to be a lot nicer. I I kind of want to do it a brother angle, because obviously you can't have the sister fighting her brother, but I'd like to do a dual angle where the brother takes on the other brother, the bully brother, and he's here to dethrone his bully brother. But I want to make it like really violent, seeing as it's a cliche storyline. I want to make it a violent ECW storyline. So we'll see what happens. But uh, right now, it's, as it sits, uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna score it yet. I'll score it in the next episode for sure, and see what, if I find any extra irksome parts, or see if I find any more gems and diamonds in the rough. So, but that's that. I've held you up long enough. That's my opinion on the Batman. Not very much. Maybe I'll. Uh, I'm I'm probably going to do an audio commentary once it comes on HBO Max, to be quite honest. So that's why I'm not spoiling too much, because, yes, we are going to do an audio commentary and really break down what we enjoy and what I thought just was, like, unnecessary. Because there is, like, 10, 15 minutes of fat that needs to be trimmed from this film. So we'll get into that once it comes on HBO Max and we can all watch it and talk about it. But until then, hope you guys had a great day. I hope you guys are having a great week. Let's go kick some ass. If you're inclined, lick some good lollipops and eat some good pussy. Let's get it. <laughs>